Well, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sorry to hear or see the month of March come to an end. We've been having a great time here at church on uh, the theme of what we're calling Just Walk, or Just Walk Across the Room. For 2007, our theme for the church is what? Uh, Don't hurt me now by not knowing. What's the 2007 theme for First Baptist? Become a Bridge of Love. That's right. And we're trying to reach out and just share God's love with other folks and Uh, trying to get out of our own shell, and uh, this theme has been helpful in that as we challenge ourselves just to walk across the room. And uh, one more time, I'll put our little circle up here. And uh, what are we calling this circle? Yeah, our comfort zone. We all have them, and uh, they're good. We all need a place of comfort, the place where we're at home, we're around folks we love. It may be your family, it may be the church family. It's that group you hang out with. That's your comfort zone. And uh, here in our church, we we could also call that our Baptist bubble. It's pretty easy to kind of get in there and just stay there, isn't it? Kind of run in there from the uh, all that's going on in life and just say, well, it's safe here. I'm okay. And just hide there. But we've been challenging ourselves to do what? To take a walk across a room or across a driveway, whatever it is, to take a, take a walk and to enter a different zone. We're calling it the zone of the unknown to risk a little bit, and it is risky, but to realize that you're not here by accident, and it just might be that if you'll step out of your comfort zone and risk a little bit and meet somebody new, you could extend God's love to them, that God would actually use you to help another person. So we've been challenging ourselves to just take a walk. In our Bible study this week, or our uh, small group study, uh, one of the ladies there shared that in her apartment, she had noticed a young mom with three little kids. Now, only young moms with three kids know how busy that is. And uh, this woman said, you know, I realize this mom probably, she has no free time. And so I walked across the hallway, knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm in uh, such and such apartment number. And if there's anything you ever need, let me know. I could run to the store and pick up something for you. I could go get a prescription. Just I know how it is to be busy with kids. And I'd like to help if I can ever help. And so she took a walk across the hallway and said, by the way, I'd be glad to help. That's the kind of thing we're talking about today, to just reach out and to uh, to extend yourself to someone to see if you might be of help. Now, last Sunday, we talked about stories. Remember? Two stories in particular. Uh, God's story and your story. And if someone were to, were to say to you, uh, you, you believe in God, what's that about? How would you describe the God in whom you believe? Or as Dave did just a moment ago, he said why he is a follower of Jesus. And I encouraged you, and thanks to all of you who emailed in your story, the one-minute version of this is uh, my life before Jesus, this is my life after Jesus. And I appreciate uh, your sharing those. Now, this morning, I want to, uh, I want you to pretend. How many of you can pretend with me? A few of you. Well, we're going to pretend we're in Hawaii. Anybody, anybody want to join me? We're in Hawaii, okay? Now, I think James and Katie went there on their honeymoon. We're not there on a honeymoon. You're just, you're in Hawaii relaxing, and you've decided to take one of these charter boats that's going to take you snorkeling. And so you get on the boat that morning, and you go out in the, 
ocean about 20 minutes somewhere, and the boat stops. They cut the engine. The guy gives you the snorkel mask. He gives you the fins, and you put them on. If you need a life vest, he puts a, a vest on you. And you slip into the water, and you're just kind of floating there in the ocean. Are you with me? It's a beautiful day. The temperature of the water is perfect. The temperature of the air is perfect. The waves are just gentle and rolling. You're just kind of bobbing up and down in the water. And as you look out across the ocean, it's that beautiful blue-green. It's calm. It's quiet. You can see the island off in the distance. And you're, wow, this is fantastic. You look up at the sky. It's, it's gorgeous blue. And you can hardly tell where the sky ends and the ocean begins. Are you with me? Feel good? We're just floating around in the ocean, right? <sighs> Smell the salt water? It's just perfect. You're, wow. Hawaii's better than they said. Now, you're floating around out there, and pretty soon the captain leans over and says, Hey! You kind of turn over, roll over, put your mask on, look in the water. Oh, yeah, that's why I'm here. So you, you put your mask on, and you get the snorkel tube in your mouth, and you roll over, and you stick your face in the water. You with me? And you look down, and you're like, Wow! There are fish everywhere. Look at that brilliant blue fish. There's a... A, a, a yellow one that's almost glowing. There's a fish you can practically see through, and, and your, your eyes can't take it all in. There's so many fish down there. There's a swordfish goes by. And you're swimming around, and then you see something dark over there, and you say, what's that? And so you flip your fins a little bit, and you start gliding across the water, and you look down, and there's a gigantic sea turtle just 10, 15 feet away. And you're like, this is amazing. I've never even seen a sea turtle. And there it is. And as you, you're kind of almost catching your breath, you're just astonished by this world below you of fish swimming. It's just chaotic. And as you kind of calm down, you realize, wow, there's the coral reef below. And as you look at the reef, you see these things growing, and there's all sorts of vegetation, seaweed, and all kinds of things you've never seen before, just kind of blowing or moving back and forth in the gentle current of the ocean. Pretty nice, isn't it? It's just amazing. Now, as you pop up your face to the top again, you can look out on the water, and again, it's calm, clear day. And as you look down in the water, there's just this riot of great activity below you, fish swimming everywhere. Now, which is the better vision? Which is the better vision? And this morning, I want to talk to you about grander vision living. You know, years ago, my generation, there was a great movie called Alfie. And the song asks the question, what's it all about, Alfie? That's really what I'm asking you. What is your life about this, this day, this week, this year? What's it all about? What's the point? Why are you taking up oxygen? And I want you to wrestle with me that, with that question with me for just a few moments. And I want to talk to us about what would be a grander vision. What is grander vision living? And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. So... Uh, let's dive back into the water. Let me read some scripture for you. This is Matthew chapter, or Luke chapter 5, verses 1 and following. And this story is a story about Jesus. It'll be up on the screen, and I'll, I'll read this from the message paraphrase. When he, that's Jesus, was standing on the lake Gennesaret, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. Jesus noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them, and they were out scrubbing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. 
When he had finished teaching, he said to Simon, Push out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. It was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat, come and help. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave me. I'm a sinner. I can't handle this holiness. Leave me. Leave me to myself. When they pulled that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, There is nothing to fear. From now on you will be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up on the beach, left them, nets and all, and followed Jesus. Friends, I want to challenge us today to grander vision living. What does that mean, a grander vision? Let's visit the story with Jesus again. Jesus and Simon had obviously met, and Jesus is teaching, so in a very unique way, he teaches from the boat that day. And after church is over, Jesus says to Simon and the men, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Now, as you know, Simon was a professional fisherman. That's how he made his living. And he had already been fishing all night. As the story says, he hadn't caught even a minnow, so the fishing wasn't good. And he tells Jesus that. But probably out of respect, and I would say maybe with a little irritation, he said, you know, Jesus, carpenter, if you want me to, I'll throw my line in again. Now, they didn't fish with poles. They fished with nets. But if you want me to, Jesus, I'll put my net in the water one more time. In other words, he's saying to Jesus, I'll stick my face back in the water, you know, one more time and see what happens. Now, Jesus, although they didn't know it at the time, was calling these men to grander vision living. And you heard the story. Peter no sooner puts in his nets than they must have hit a school of fish, and he hauls up more than he can manage. And he calls his friends, and it's almost more than they can manage, and they bring it ashore. It's a great day fishing. They've got extra money. And he's amazed at Jesus. And so and so they, they haul in this load of fish, and Jesus says, you know, Peter, do you want to spend your life with smelly fish or do you want to go out and catch something bigger, something better? And, of course, that's when he challenges Jesus. uh, Jesus challenges Peter, come, follow me. Follow me and I'll make you a real fisher. And what does Jesus or what does Peter do in response to Jesus' call? He follows him. He follows him. Now, I want to challenge you. What is God saying to you? And is he calling you to grander vision living? And does that mean, what, like it meant for Simon, that you're going to have to leave something behind in order to gain something ahead? You're going to have to turn away from something and turn towards something that's even better. Because I think that's what happened 
to Simon. It was hard to say no to the life he knew. He was about to enter a life of the unknown. In a sense, he was moving from what? His circle of comfort into the zone of the unknown. Now, you know the story. Simon Peter was, became a follower of Jesus, and he followed him for about three years. I want to fast forward to one other story in the Scripture, and it's found in Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to turn there now. It's on page uh, 121, 122, 120, actually. Um, Acts chapter 2. The, the scene is this. Simon Peter has been following Jesus. Jesus has gone through the crucifixion experience. He has come back, the resurrection experience. He has now gone to heaven. And in Acts 2, the followers of Jesus are absolutely dumbfounded by what they've seen and heard, and they have no idea what to do. When you don't know what to do, what's a good thing to do? Pray. Pray. And so they've been praying and wondering, what's next? And it just so happens that a great festival is coming to Jerusalem. It's called Pentecost. And it's this festival that's coming. And as people see James, John, Peter, and others praying, they think they're actually drunk. And so they accuse them of being drunk. And Peter says, no way we could be drunk. It's too early in the morning. And he sees the door open up. And in Acts chapter 2, let me read from verse 14. Listen. Peter said, standing with the eleven, he raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who are in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen what I have to say. And I won't read his sermon, but he goes on to talk to them about Jesus. And as he talks to them about Jesus, he tries to explain what God is doing in history. And at the conclusion of that, now in verse 37, it says, When they heard this, when they heard the story of Jesus... They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, skipping down a few verses. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added to their number. Now, would you say that's a fishing story? Do you see the two parallel fishing stories? In one, Peter catches smelly fish, lots of them. Now, I was tempted to say this wouldn't be nice. In the other one, he catches what? Smelly people, lots of them. Not him, but but God. And so Peter has transitioned from fishing for fish to fishing for men and women. And as he stands up, this fisherman is touched by God and able to speak in such a way that lots of people turn back to God on that very day. Two fishing stories. Which is the grander vision? Going out in the boat and letting down their net? Or standing up on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem and speaking the word of the Lord? Now, it brings me to the first observation. I have two for you this morning. The first observation is this. People are a priority. People ought to be a priority in our lives. All people. All people matter to God, so all people should matter to us, right? And so every person, I don't care who it is out here outside your comfort zone, if the Lord nudges you to go to that person, you ought to go. Because that person is important to God. To leave your zone of comfort and to go out. People are a priority. People count for God. So the challenge to us this month has been... 
Will you just walk across the room? Will you be a just walk person? That's grander vision living. Seeing people, not things, as important. That's grander vision living. I was uh, reading somewhere, and I, for the life of me, couldn't remember where I saw this story. It's basically right. I may have a detail inaccurately, but uh, you know who Stephen Jobs is? Apple computer, iPod, that's Stephen Jobs, yeah. Uh, years ago, long before iPod, before some of you were born probably, uh, Apple computer was getting going, Stephen Jobs was a part of that, and he realized, you know, I've got this thing going, but I need somebody to run my company. And so he was looking for a well-known CEO that could run Apple computer and take it to the next level. He decided he wanted John Scully, who ran Pepsi-Cola Company, a huge organization. And so he asked John Scully, he said, uh, I want you to come and work for me at Apple. And Scully wouldn't give him the time of day. He said, I don't want to work for you. I'm happy where I'm at, and it's a great job. And so this had gone back and forth. And as I read the story, I think they were in New York City at a condo or something. And uh, Scully was actually out on the porch, and, and uh, Jobs had been trying to recruit him. And he said, you know, how much money do you need? I can pay you whatever you want. He said, it's not about the money. And so the, he just wasn't getting anywhere. So Stephen Jobs went back in, and they were separated for a while. And he finally went back out, and they were sort of looking over parts of New York City on the balcony. And he said to John Scully this. He said, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to make sugared water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come help me change the world? Quite a question, huh? And that's really what we're addressing today. What do you want to do with your life? What are you going to do? Are you just going to go up, go to work tomorrow morning and be stuck in some sort of rut? Or are you going to really realize that God can work you, through you as a person to make this world the kind of place God wants it to be? That's grander vision living, seeing people as a priority. Uh, many of you have commented about how you're enjoying the book Bill Hybels wrote. Let's, let's have a video clip of Bill Hybels kind of as our last challenge to us as we think about this theme Grander Vision Living. That's not it. Whoops, that's not the video. Brian, signal me if you can find it. It's uh, the one that's 105. There, the very bottom. Thank you. Oh, we're good. I've been trying to point people to faith for pretty much my whole adult life. And when someone says the door is closed and I'm never going to open it, I never take never as an answer. I go, never just means no for now. And people quite often are just one devastation away, one business reversal away, one relational disaster away from having their apple cart so upset that they would consider God afresh. And what I dream of for Christ followers everywhere is that they go to work, they go in the neighborhood, they go to school, they go to the club, wherever they go, that instead of being annoyed by people or put off by people who believe differently and have different lifestyles, just imagine, imagine what their life would be like if God were at the center. And let that inspire you to pray toward that end. Bible says, just imagine what somebody can be like. And this morning I want to encourage you, as a just walk person, 
to be that kind of person. If you and I are going to reach out to our community, people have to be a priority. And then the second one is that you and I are going to focus on potential. Focus on potential. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean that when you focus on per- a person's potential, your perspective is not on the present, but it's on the potential, the future. When you focus on a person's potential, your perspective is on the possibilities coming up. Uh, remember the story about your face in the ocean? That's the potential. That's what you see. What, are you looking down and seeing the great life that's beneath you, or are you just kind of one-directional? You just see what's above the surface. That's focusing on potential. You're willing to look not at what is, but what can be by the power of God. And this morning I want to call you to be a person that focuses on people as a just-walk-across-the-room person and a person that understands the potential of people as God touches their lives. Does this make sense to you? Uh, So the question becomes, uh, by the power of God, what can happen here in my life and in your life and in the life of someone else? Uh, we call this God's redemptive purpose in life. What's God's redemptive purpose for you, for me, for our church? Uh, what would God like to see happen here? That's another way to ask the question. Now, back to uh, Simon and Peter as we kind of wrap this up. As you think of Simon and Peter, as he let down his nets and caught those smelly fish, that, that's what he was good at. But when he released himself to God, God had a grander vision for Peter, and he was captured by that vision. Now today, some 3,000 years later, how big is the name Simon Peter in Christianity? I mean, there's a church named after him in Rome. Catholic Christians, Protestant Christians, Orthodox Christians all see Simon Peter as a huge leader in Christian faith. Why? All because Jesus saw potential in him, And because Simon said, yes, I'm going to leave behind my fishing boats and I'm going to come and follow you, Jesus. He he became a just-walk-across-the-room person. So, Jesus was focusing on his potential. I uh, came across these illustrations, speaking of potential. And uh, you will recognize these names. Beethoven had a music teacher who said about him, as a composer, composer, he's hopeless. Beethoven. Beethoven. Uh, Thomas Edison was a young boy, and his teachers said that he was so stupid he couldn't learn anything. Thomas Edison once said, I quote, I remember I used to never be able to get along at school. I was always at the foot of my class. My father thought I was stupid, and I almost decided that I was a dunce. Thomas Edison. What about his potential? A sculptor. August Rodin, Rodin was young and had a difficult time learning to read and write. Um, today we would say he had a learning disability. His father said of him, quote, fathers never say this of your children, I have an idiot for a son. Many agreed. You can go to Paris now and see Rodin's amazing sculptors there in the museum. Walt Disney once was fired by a newspaper editor because he was thought to have, quote, no good ideas. Walt Disney. Caruso was told by one music teacher, you can't sing, you have no voice at all. An editor told Louisa May Alcott, nobody's going to ever read your books, you can't write. On the list could go. People have potential. And by the power of God, you and I need to be able to see that in people and to trust God as we reach out. So I want to encourage you, as you become a just-walk-across-the-room person, are you living for a grander vision? Is it God's vision? 
Are, are, is God able to use you to reach out as you want to make a difference in life? In the book that the staff and I and the board and I are reading together, um, it talks about what's called apostolic living, living like the apostles. Not that we're apostles, but that we live like them. What would that look like? The apostles, the followers of Jesus, live like this. It is a lifestyle that involves placing the needs of another person above your own needs and desires. It is sacrificial and service-oriented. It can be uncomfortable, and it's not always safe. Back in the 15th century, there was a project in Italy to carve out of marble many Old Testament characters. And so the project was started. A couple of them were actually done. And there was a 19-foot block of marble that was taken out of the quarry and brought to the yard, and a sculptor began working on it. He worked on it badly and finally quit. I don't know if he quit or was fired, but there it stood, this huge block that they were going to carve an Old Testament character out of, but it was just messed up. And it stood there for year after year after year, become, becoming very weathered. Now, a 19 block of stone like that is very valuable. It was then, it is now. And so somebody said, we've got to do something with this. What can be done? And so they decided as they looked at it, is it ruined? Is it not ruined? And they talked to Leonardo da Vinci, and they talked to others. Can we, can we salvage this block of stone? This guy started on and messed up. Finally, they... They contacted a young a sculptor in his mid-twenties. And he said, I think I can do it. I think I see something here. He saw potential in that block. And Mar- Michelangelo began carving away on it. And three years later, David emerged. Now, I didn't want to show all of David in church. I thought I might get in trouble. So uh, there's the beginnings, you know. But one of his most well-known masterpieces, out of this chunk of stone that had been rejected, But when he was brought into the yard, he saw potential in it. My friends, as we conclude this morning, are you willing to be a just walk across the room person? A person that will live for a grander vision than just the mundane stuff of life. That's the challenge to us. Here's what what I want to do. I want to conclude this morning by uh, exhorting you to start small, but to start. to, To open up your world in some way. Simon Peter heard Jesus say, let down your nets. And he said, sure, Lord, I'll do it. I'll fish. And he caught a bunch of fish. Later, Simon Peter heard Jesus say, come, follow me. He said, okay, I'll follow you. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'll follow. Even later, when Jesus was gone, the Spirit impressed on Simon, stand up. Tell people what you know about Jesus. He stood up that day, and his sermon is yet read today. So this morning, here's how I'd like to wrap up our month together. Um... We're going to stand and sing a song in just a minute. Ted and the praise team can come. And uh, as we stand and sing, if you would like to make a commitment, and by making that commitment you say, Steve, I do want to be a just walk person. I'm available to God. If God prompts me, I'll go. If you would make that commitment today, I'm going to ask you to walk right down here to the front because just walking involves just walking, right? And if you would just do that, then when the song is over, we're going to have a a word of prayer, a prayer of dedication, that you and I become the kind of people that God wants us to be, to see the possibilities in others, the potential in others, and to make people a priority. So let's stand and sing, Ted, as you lead us. I'll encourage you, if you make this commitment, to just walk forward.